You guys already know Lance Leipold of Kansas is at the top of my list, but would he even come to Michigan State? And if he were, what would he bring and what could get us excited about him? We talk with Derek Johnson of Locked on Jayhawks. Let's go. You are Locked on Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. It is daily fantasy sports made easy with Prize Picks. Spartan friends, Spartan family, locked on Spartans listeners, thanks a ton for kicking off your weekend with us here at Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week. And we got a smattering of football and basketball games coming up this weekend. We'll preview them later on. But right now, the hot topic coaching search. And one of the hottest names in this coaching search is. Out of Kansas, Lance Leipold. That's right, doing wonders for the Jayhawks program. And it's not going to be me just, you know, blabbing on and on, up and down. No, we have Derek Johnson from the Locked On Network. And not just Locked On Network, but hey, Locked On Jayhawks. Derek, as a man that's not only enjoying football season, but also a basketball season, that makes one of us. How you doing over there, man? We doing okay? <laughs> yeah, uh, things went a little differently for the two in the uh, Champions Classic here, but I don't know. I I, th- I still, you know, worried for uh, Michigan State. Wouldn't want to see him in the bracket come March. Thanks. No, I, I appreciate you saying that. I'll I'll Venmo you some money for being so nice to us. Um, <sighs> whatever. We'll get to the basketball later. We're gonna talk some football right now. Lance Leipold, as my listeners know, very high in the top of my list for all the right reasons. What he is doing at Kansas is just majestic, really. But let's just get the biggest question out of the way first, Derek. Do you think Lance Leipold would leave Kansas to come up to Michigan State? Man, it's it's so hard to say because everything we've heard from Lance Leipold would indicate no, but we've seen other coaches before say things and then you know, it doesn't mean it. So the side that is, you know, he's staying at Kansas. Well, his son is a junior in high school. He's about to be a senior in high school next year. Kind of tough to move headed into your last year of high school. Um, KU was taking care of him and uh, they just gave a contract extension to Bill Self that raised his Mm -hmm. money that maybe would allow them to raise Lance Leipold's money without, you know, superseding what Bill Self is making. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. He just got the extension last year. Uh, the buyout isn't overly big. So, you know, that that's something that's going the other way. But um, every time he gets asked, asked about it, he, he kind of denies it. Uh, we haven't heard a straight out denial. Like, I will not be taking the Michigan State job. But it, it's been everything besides that. And there was actually a week ago, he does his coach's show. It's called Hawk Talk here in Lawrence. And um, there, there was kind of a rumor floating around that he interviewed for the Michigan State job. And he was asked a question on the show. He said uh, something about it. And he said, this this coach's interview is the only interview I've done in the last 48 hours. And it's okay. the only one that I will do. And, and I'm going to keep uh, I'm going to be here for a long time and, and all this stuff. And it turns out after the show, we found out that he actually asked the play by play announcer who, who hosts the show to ask him about the job so that he could deny it. So this wasn't just somebody asking him the question. This was him telling the guy, hey, can you please ask me about this so I can dispel any rumors? So those would all lead you to believe 
you know, that, that that's not going to be the case. Uh, but then again, like I said, we've, we've seen other coaches with, with that kind of happen in the past. And um, Bruce Feldman has been very locked in on Lance Leipold's coaching career, whether it's he has a great relationship with Lance Leipold or with his agent, because the guy who broke the news of Lance Leipold going from Mount Union to Buffalo was Bruce Feldman. The guy who broke the news of Lance Leipold going from Buffalo to Kansas was Bruce Feldman. And if you gotcha. know noticed a lot of the reports that have come out from Bruce Feldman when the athletic have mentioned Lance Leipold as a candidate here. Is that just a, do me a favor as an agent, basically saying, Hey, can you float my job here? So my guy can get some more money and another contract extension. And Kansas right now is rebuilding a new stadium. Make sure that donations are coming in that way. Keep the pressure on the fan base to submit NIL funds, donations for the stadium, uh, money for the, the assistant coaches and their coaching staff. Is it just that pushing and putting pressure? Or is it that Bruce Feldman knows something that he he is willing to take one of these jobs? I think that's the ultimate question here. That's the fun little wrinkle on coaching searches is just the, the PR chess game that we all like to play here. Now, let's stick to that contract right now because I, ever since AM just spent $76 million to pay Jimbo to never coach ever again, like buyouts these days don't seem like a lot of money anymore. Like, oh, a $12 million buyout. What? Oh, that, that's a poor person's buyout. Perfect. So, but when it does come to the contract, how much is Lance making right now? And how high do you think Kansas would go to keep him for a few more years? So it's like 5 million right now. And that was, he was making about 2.75 last year. They gave him an extension, went to five a year up to 2029. Um, okay. I, I would not be surprised if they give him another extension this offseason that bumps up that money. And again, that goes back with the, the Bill Self stuff because you're not going to have him making more money than Bill Self. As great as Lance Leipold has been, Bill Self's been doing right. it for two decades and, and KU is a basketball school. So they had to make sure they gave Bill Self more money so that they could, if they do want to give Lance Leipold a raise here, then, then that would be the thing that, that happens there. Uh, but I'll be honest, like, and, and this just comes from being around Lance Leipold, whether it's at press conferences or, I don't know, just hearing things from other people around him. I don't think he cares that much himself about the money. I mean, obviously, that's okay. a big thing with the Big Ten money that, that they're going to be bringing in with Michigan State with all the money coming in. I don't think he cares as much about it for him. Now, obviously, as a professional, whether you're a coach or player, you care about the respect factor that comes with it. Like, if you're the ex-highest paid coach, like, that matters to you because it, it – is almost a respect of indicative of where you're at. Um, what he cares more about with the money is the facilities, the assistant coaches being taken care of, and NIL, how those things are coming about. I think that's where it becomes interesting a little bit with the Michigan State stuff because there was that NIL story from whatever it was a month or two ago that, that I'm sure you talked about that, um, that with, I don't know, the, the kind of reneging of, of some of the NIL stuff. Uh, but sure. I, I don't know how that works out with some of the – you know, the TV money, obviously it's going to be expanded TV money. That will help with paying coaches, paying assistant coaches with the facilities. But I don't know how that can be redirected into NIL because technically NIL has to come from, you know, a third party, from a business. So I don't know that the TV money is going to actually help there. That's what he cares about most. That's what he wants. He wants to field the competitive team. He wants others around him to be taken care of. And look, it, it's no secret that Kansas was at the bottom of college football for quite some time. And just last year, he brings the Jayhawk program to the first bowl game in 15 years. Like that, that takes a lot to do. What is the biggest thing that he brought to Kansas that just turned them around? It wasn't a year one thing, but it was two years, which is pretty quick considering where Kansas was at. Was it like a culture change? Is it the assistant staff he brought in? Is it, you know, transfer portal activity or 
what is like the biggest thing that has been a pro for Lance Leifold? It really is a little bit of, of everything. He's done well in the transfer portal. Um, they've okay. really done well with player progression. They've done well with NIL here. Like Jalen Daniels actually won the, like it was the national NIL summit, you know, some, some award for like male athlete of the year. So they've been able to, gotcha. to organize all that stuff. But the, the biggest thing that I would say is just staff continuity and consistency as a program. So that's kind of a culture thing, kind of a staff continuity thing. Um, they ha have every single position coach from last year is back on this year's roster. So it's, it's wow. staff continuity. You look at Brian Borland, the defensive coordinator, he's been with Lance Leipold since he was at Mount Union. Uh, you look gotcha. at Andy Kotelnicki, he's been with Lance Leipold since his beginning days at Buffalo. Um, they stick with coaches and they all get on the same page. And that's what you'll hear with like recruits who commit to the program is that they'll talk to four different coaches when they're on a recruiting visit and they'll get the same exact message from all of them. So it's everybody being on the same page and it's night and day from where Kansas was. Uh, you go back their left tackle who started last year was Earl Bostic. He's now off in the uh, NFL, um, you know, and, and he had, I think it was four or five different position coaches over his first like four or five years of college football. Cool. <laughs> um, and, and so now, now you have it and it's just, these coaches are being the same. So it's like, you have different messages every year from what these guys were getting. Now you're getting the same consistent message. It's just everything is night and day. Everything's more professional. Everything is is a little bit more, I don't know, put together and not worrying about the wrong things in, in some regards. Mm -hmm. It's just a it, it's just and I think too, like the rule change of, about being able to to go up on scholarships to 85 as opposed to being capped at 25. That helped Kansas too. There was a year in the David Beatty era yeah. uh, about a 10 years ago where they had less scholarship players than one of the FCS teams they were playing. So like that helped too, and uh, being oh. able to you know use the transfer portal. So it, it is a little bit of everything, but yeah, the staff is just so consistent. They're good at developing and they're just pros. That's interesting because we've had a lot of staff continuity over here the last four years. And unfortunately, that's kind of been the bullet in our foot here. But hey, when you do it right, that's what it's supposed to look like over on Lance Leipold's staff right there. Uh, I want to get more into the offense, the defense recruiting here in a hot second. But Derek, I'm so sorry. I got to kick you to the bench because I got to talk to people's ears off about prize picks, the leader in daily fantasy sports gang with the basketball season here you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league it's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players in different sports or leagues for example lebron james plus travis kelsey at a ten and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions see that's just a perfect example of how fun prize picks keeps it you can combine players combine sports it is so easy to do that i'll make my prize picks in roughly 42 seconds I'll sit on the couch and I'll watch a game that honestly I wouldn't care about otherwise if it wasn't for price picks. The app that lets you multiply your money up to times 25. And also, well, they want to keep you winning right off the bat. So go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash locked on college and promo code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. It's daily fantasy sports made easy with price picks. Also, 
If you want to look your best at tailgates, next week's Ford Field game, the basketball season, a volleyball game, homefieldapparel.com is where you need to be. You already know the drill with Home Field Apparel, guys. We've been talking up and down about Home Field for years at this point. They have the best vintage apparel for logos that you may or may never have seen before for your Michigan State Spartans or, hey, even your Kansas Jayhawks as well. They have well over 100 colleges in their database. When they have their Black Friday sale next week, I'm probably going to snipe a sweet Miami crew neck, actually. So I, they have logos. If you don't even root for them, they're so cool. You're going to want to get them anyway, and they will be the most comfortable pieces of clothing in your closet. So what are you waiting for, gang? Go to homefieldapparel.com, smash in that promo code LOS23 for 15% off of your first order. Again, promo code LOS23 for 15% off at homefieldapparel.com. And let's get the one, the only Derek Johnson back into the mix here and... What is the lifeblood of football, Derek? It's recruiting. We all know this. And look, point blank, how is Lance Leipold as a recruiter at a place like Kansas especially? Because, well, we're we're not like the absolute bottom of the barrel in FBS, but this is going to be a project here if for anyone that comes to Michigan State. Do you have faith that he could get things done in East Lansing? Yes. So he never recruited super highly ranked at Buffalo. And so the conversation mm-hmm. when he came to Kansas was, well, It's just going to be a developmental thing. Like who cares about the recruiting rankings, but what's happened here over the last two years is they've actually recruited some high level players. And now it's like, Oh, this could be really exciting. If you combine that with some of their developmental stuff. So like they're bringing in four stars, they're bringing on three stars. There was a a rush of recruiting over this past um, uh, summer where, you know, at one point they had more uh, top 1000 recruits on the 24 seven sports composite, you know, by, number or by ratio of the number of commits they had that they've like ever had in the 24 seven sports era. So compared to Kansas standards, they're recruiting very well. And I think what really is interesting with the Michigan state job specifically is one of the pipelines they've actually developed is Detroit. And that's not just from a high school level. That's from a transfer portal level. They bring on rich Miller who's one of their starting linebackers. He's from the Detroit area. They bring in uh, Kalen Gervin. He was obviously from Michigan State. Uh, they bring yeah. on Marvin Grant, who uh, was at Purdue previously. He's from the Detroit area. He comes over. You look at the high school level, and Jamil Croft was, I don't know, arguably their top recruit in last year's recruiting class. He's from the Detroit area. Then you look at this upcoming recruiting class in 2024. KU has a four-star quarterback in Isaiah Marshall. He's from the Mm -hmm. Detroit area. So like you look at it and part of this goes back to with uh, Chris Simpson, who's the linebackers coach and is from there. Jim Panagos, who's the uh, defensive tackle coach. He has big 10 ties. He's previously at Minnesota and he has some ties into the area too. They've recruited the Detroit area and the Michigan area actually very well. They also, you know, Cornell Wheeler comes from a a transfer from Michigan. Who's one of their rotational linebackers. So um, yes, I, I, I think he's actually surprised in how good he has been recruiting so far at Kansas and uh, because of some of the geographical stuff and how he does have ties in the Midwest, uh, I think he would do just fine. What position group is he most hands-on with, or I guess side of the ball too, like it could be the entire offense or defense, but is there a certain side that he takes under his wing and you've seen grow really rapidly over at Kansas? Honestly, not really. That goes back to the okay. the staff continuity and the trust he has and all the guys around him on the staff that he really does. It, it's not like a micromanaging thing at all. He really lets everybody kind of do their thing. Now, obviously, he has to be the CEO and look over it and you know make sure everything's coming together. But 
Um, he really lets people thrive. So yes, he's in on the conversations and and he's doing this or that, and he'll help any, any of the assistants who are out there recruiting to their different areas. Uh, they also have established a nice little pipeline in kind of the Phoenix area too. And he's part of these conversations. He's part of the visits and he's part of everything. But at the end of the day, it's, it's not like he's, you know, grooming in the quarterback specifically. Like um, it's kind of just a team put together thing. And I think that's one thing that, if hypothetically he were to take the job at, at another school like Michigan State, I think you would expect probably a lot of staff members to come over with him. Don't threaten me with a good time. That sounds <laughs> that sounds delightful. Um, so listeners in the past, they understand that my tier is right now tier one, Urban Meyer. You know, that that's that's the pie in the sky. We hit the powerball dream right there. Tier two is the Lance Leipolds, Mike Elko, Jonathan Smith. There's probably nothing you can say. That would bump him down to tier three. The tier three is guys I could talk myself into. I don't need to talk myself into Lance Leipold. But with that said, is there any weakness that you see? Or, like, is there anything that you're not really cool with so far in his time at Kansas? Or has it just been so great? It's like, no, no, this is uh, across the board great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to, you know, Kansas has never won more than three games going back to 2009 yeah. until Lance Leipold took over. So you had, you know, 13 years until last year when they won four games or more for the first time and then obviously made it to a bowl game. The, the amount of rapid progression they've had has been unbelievable. He's He's been fantastic. He is a pro. Um, I, I don't know, for, for the people who are into analytics, for the people who are into being very aggressive on fourth down and some – timeout stuff and, and game management stuff at the end. I feel like that's pretty natural for a lot of coaches. Some of that stuff leaves a little bit to be desired, but everything else is, is pretty much been kind of an A plus here. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to say there. I, I think from a coaching perspective of if you're looking to hire someone who can be at the program for, you know, 15, 20 years, Leipold's probably not the guy. Now, I, I guess you really never know how long somebody is going to coach or how their health's going to hold up or how long they want to coach. But he's 59 years old, so if you yeah. hire him away, uh, you're probably looking at him coaching. It could be five more years. It could be eight more years. I don't know. It could be three more years. You never know how long somebody wants to coach. If you want to go into the mid-70s, maybe you do have 15 more years. But um, that right. would be the one thing if you were hiring him from elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, man, he's he's been unbelievable and uh, been so fun to watch the turnaround of this KU football program. That, that's one thing that I talk about, too, that I can't help just to laugh about, like to myself, because we talk about his age, 259, like, oh, he'd be here for like five years. You know, he probably doesn't have a lot of time left. Meanwhile, I'm watching our basketball coach approach 70, and it looks like he wants to be there for another 20 years. So, like, who am I kidding? He, he could be here for quite some time. So, uh, Derek, this this was awesome, man. Really do appreciate the chat, all the info, the whole rundown. Anything else that you want to say? Do you want to beat your chest about basketball before you leave? Or anything else you want to leave us with before you enjoy your weekend here? No, I'm, I'm certainly jealous, though, watching Tyson Walker. I remember when he was, uh, ah, when he was in yes. the transfer portal a couple of years ago. <laughs> And there was talk about like, oh, Kansas has a little bit of interest in him. Are they going to go out and get him? And I, I can't remember what happened if uh, Kansas started divulging into trying to get somebody else, or, or you know, Michigan gotcha. State just putting the full court. Whatever ended up happening, you know, he ends up in Michigan State, and he's uh, killing it right now. Obviously, uh, some of the results not quite there, but yeah. Thanks for leaving us with that glow of hope. That was that was very kind of you. But uh, that's Derek Johnson. If you want more on Kansas, Locked on Jayhawks, just go check him out. Obviously, that was a great chat, and he's got more greatness over there at that podcast and YouTube channel as well. And, gang, we're back in a hot second because, yeah, we, there's there's still a football game that we got a preview against Indiana. We'll touch on the Butler game on Friday and then probably spend 12 seconds on Alcorn State as well. So uh, keep it tuned. 
Now is time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like all of you viewers and listeners have changed the game. Truly, I mean that this is... Not been a fun stretch of weeks here, but you guys come through every single day, every single week. So you guys are the game changers here. Just like you guys, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. You've heard me talk up and down about Athletic Brewing Company the last few weeks. You already know that we've had Athletic Brewing in our fridge even before they became friends with the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you want to know why, well, just try an IPA for yourself. Try one of their porters for yourself. Try one of their pumpkin beers for yourself, tis this season. And you're going to find that they taste a lot better than a lot of craft beers that you already have. And the best part is, if you knock a few back, and if you're old and withered like I am, and just two beers kind of sidelines you the following morning, that was Athletic Brewing Company. That's right, non-alcoholic beers, guys. You're going to wake up the next morning feeling like a million bucks because, well, Athletic Brewing Company is fit for all times. You can find Athletic Brewing's uh, non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKDOWN and get 15% off of your first online order. That is code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. It's Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. Yep, we got some games going on this week. We got uh, that football game Saturday noon, Big Ten Network, and you are a sick, sick puppy if you're going to be watching that game. Oh, you? It's a terrible joke. I was going to move on and act like that never happened. But yeah, we'll, we'll be watching, all right. We'll be recapping here. Three and seven, Indiana. One and six in Big Ten play. Take on your big, bad Spartans and... Let's just learn a little bit about this Indiana game before we go to the Butler uh, basketball game and then Sunday's Alcorn State game really quick, too. Indiana Hoosiers, they made a change at quarterback kind of near-ish the start of their season. Brandon Sorsby, redshirt freshman. If there's any positive light with Indiana, it's got to be Brennan Sorsby. Ten touchdowns, two interceptions in that stretch that he has been starting, but still has not amounted to any wins because, well, they, they really can't run the ball, guys. Uh, 3.15 yards per carry by Indiana. That is sixth worst amongst Power 5 teams across the country. And don't flex your muscles too much over there, state fans, because we're we're not much better. We're 11th worst in the country at running the football. So something's got to give here. Maybe the key to the game is who can actually maybe run the ball somewhat here in Bloomington. Now, the Hoosiers' defense they let up 4.4 yards per carry. That is amongst the worst in the conference. They let up 30 points per game. That is actually only second worst in the Big Ten, and they give up a conference worst five, sorry, 7.9 yards per pass attempt. Again, that is the worst in the conference. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. They can pass a little bit, but they can't run the ball. So, <laughs> why on earth is Michigan State? Five-point underdogs hitting the road to Indiana. Well, quite bluntly, that's just how bad things have gotten this season. This is where we're at for Michigan State football. Woo, fun. But, uh, no, I mean, look, the injuries are piling up for Michigan State, and MSU isn't special. This is happening in a lot of teams across the country, but it is extra special for Michigan State. I mean, we are one cornerback injury away from Sparty starting at Ford Field next Friday. Uh, they they might even draw a fan out of the stands to come play some nickel if uh, things really get to that here. Also, Michigan State has been abysmal on the road, guys, in their four road games. Would you like to fetch a guess how many touchdowns, offensive touchdowns, let's be specific, offensive touchdowns Michigan State has had in their four road games? If you guessed 
four, then go ahead and collect your winnings. And three of those came in one game against Rutgers when things were really fun for the first three quarters. And then the other one was by Sam Levitt against Minnesota. And, well, thanks to the great management, the great organizational skills of this coaching staff, we will not be seeing Sam Levitt. He has already decided to use his red shirt and used up all of his eligibility before then. Woohoo! So, yeah, there's your football preview right there. Actually, no. I want to perk everyone's eyebrows up just a little bit right now because is there anything at stake right now? Maybe. That sounds ridiculous, but but maybe. This is from Brett McMurphy. He tweeted out his bull eligibility tracker. Teams that are eligible already at six wins for the bull. But he also adds this little caveat. 58 teams are already qualified for 82 spots. That's how many bowl game spots there are, 82 spots. There are 36 teams still able to reach six wins. However, if the favored teams win their next two games and there's no upsets or anything, only 19 more bowl eligible teams are in. All right. So they'll, they will need three teams that are five and seven. Of course, that means Michigan State has to win on Saturday. They have to win the following Friday against Penn State, but the tiebreaker for five and seven teams is APR score. And Michigan State was decent in the classroom last year. They were tied for 28th in APR score. So, hey, you win this game, we get to dream about beating Penn State and being a five and seven team that can backdoor their way into the New Orleans Bowl or the First Responders Bowl or the Who Cares Bowl. I, but, hey, that, that's what's at stake here for this weekend. That's how sad times are right now. All right, let's go to a sport that still provides us with a glimmer of hope here, the basketball team. And Friday, they will be taking out Butler there back home at the Breslin Center for the Gavit Games. That ridiculous thing that they've tried to make work that I think they're already pulling the plug on for next year, so good try. But let's learn about Butler here. They are 3-0, and they have been absolutely positively housing their competition. With that said, if you gathered up, all the kids that were the kickoff kids at Spartan Stadium this year to collect the tees after kickoff and made a basketball team out of them, they might be one of the better teams Butler has played this year. So far, Butler has beaten Eastern Michigan by 39 points, Southeast Missouri State by 35 points, and East Tennessee State by 34 points. East Tennessee State, the computers tell us, is the best team they have played. Eastern Tennessee State ranked 100, sorry, not, not 100, 297th in the country. So they have barely played anyone inside the top 300. Now the strength for Butler so far this season on paper is that their opponents are shooting just 35.2% in effective field goal percentage. That is second best in the nation. Could that be lockdown defense? Very much could be. Could it also be because that they haven't really even played anyone rated inside the top 290 teams in the country? That's also highly possible as well. So, yes, there's your stat. Small sample size. We're going to see truly how good Butler is at protecting the perimeter and just the paint as well this Friday. Now, let's talk about a few players. We're going to pull some out here. and Let's start with the guy we already know. Pierre Brooks, transfer out of Michigan State here. He is starting for Butler. He has uh, started every game this year, 25 minutes per game. And he is... Still kind of the same player. He just gets to do it a lot more for Butler. He's averaging 13 points on the season so far. However, taking him 11.3 shots per game to get there. He's shooting 29% from three, and he's taking nearly six three-pointers a game. So again, same player, just a greener light over there. And wish Pierre nothing but the best. I mean, I think a hard reset on his career is what he needed. He needed new scenery, and that's what he's getting at Butler. So hopefully it all works out for him. After Friday, I would love to see him go 
2 of 13 on Friday, if uh, we can be greedy and ask for that. Now, two more dynamic players for Butler. They're both guards. Six foot one combo guard, DJ Davis. He's a transfer from UC Irvine. Really good at protecting the ball. Doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. 38% career shooter from three and also a fantastic free throw shooter. 88% career free throw shooter. So that's DJ Davis, six foot one combo guard. And then also five foot 11 guard, Posh Alexander, transfer from St. John's. On his career, I mean, this guy looks like me shooting out there. He is he is not a good shooter in his career. However, in the three games to start the season, 40% from three, which is like a 13% uptick from where he usually is. He can get a little squirrely with the ball. He does seem to have a turnover issue at times. And like we said, against the lower competition they've already played, he's already shown that a little bit. So if you throw Tyson Walker on him, the guy with the fast hands, uh, th that might bode well here for Michigan State here. Uh, they have four guys that are over six foot ten, so I, we'll see how much small ball lineups we get in this one on Friday night. And Bart Torvik says that Michigan State should win 76 to 65. Now, what are we going to be watching for this weekend? Small ball for spacing would be a delight to see. And just like I said, Butler, they do have a good stable of big men that physically you might not be able to match up with, but hey. We talked up and down about A.J. Hogard really struggling to find his form. And, well, a good chunk of that might be because there's no Joey Hauser this year. There's no 45% three-point shooter that defenders have to kind of linger and stick to. So that opens up the lane. Now, when you have Mike Soko, when you have Carson Cooper, that's going to clog the lane a little bit with an extra defender here. So could we get a small ball lineup of, say, A.J. Hogard, Tyson Walker, Jaden Akins, Cohen Carr, and then Malik Hall? Yes, I know it sounds crazy. Malik Hall at the five. But if you want to go small, that's your time to do it. Or this might be a more viable option like A.J. Hogard, Jaden Akins at the two, Cohen Carr at the three, Malik Hall at the four, Xavier Booker at the five. This would be a really good opportunity, whether it's Friday or Sunday, to play Xavier Booker more minutes because, hey, if he's at the five, he stretches the floor a little bit, creates more spacing for A.J. Hogard. Now, with that said, I think we are much more likely to see that against Alcorn State. They have an incredibly small lineup. I think they only have one guy that's above six foot eight with Alcorn State. Alcorn State, by the way, they're ranked outside the top 300 per Bart Torvik. So there's a preview right there. Michigan State, the computers say, should beat them by about 26 points. But yes, this would be a great weekend just to try some small ball lineups, just something different. And Here's what I also hope that we get to see. I, again, I, I know that I'm pulling the fire alarm here pretty early on the season, but a new starting lineup would just be delightful. Maybe Carson Cooper at the center. I think between the two healthy centers this year, it's it's clear he's the better option at this point in the year. And then what I really, really, really hope we can see, whether it's Friday, certainly should be on Sunday, is more freshman playing. Jeremy Fears, Cohen Carr, Xavier Booker, they logged 24 combined minutes against Duke. That's an average of eight minutes per guy. Like that, This is part of the reason Michigan State was rated so high to start the year. Yes, they have all the fun returners, but you have young talent as well. And when some of that young talent is a point guard you want to help grow, that may already be better than your sophomore backup point guard. That may already at times be more focused than your senior point guard. Yeah, let's play the McDonald's All-American and Jeremy Fears a little bit more. Cohen Carr, yes, I know he had a few hiccups in the first half against Duke, but... God, he's he's the most athletic freak in college basketball since Zion Williamson. I find fine time and space for him. And then Xavier Booker, that's a completely different thing. He's barely played this year. We warned everyone to be patient with Xavier Booker. I, I didn't think we'd have to be 
this patient necessarily. And I just saw on Twitter too, before we started recording that Tom Izzo said that Xavier Booker texted him early in the morning and said, Hey, can you sit down with me and watch a little bit of film? Maybe that's going to be something that, Hey, you're going to learn some things. We'll work on practice. You'll see an uptick in your minutes here. And I can only imagine that's going to be a really short film session because Xavier Booker's only played about three minutes this year. So that that's going to be a quick meeting if Tom Izzo granted that wish, which I'm sure he did. Um, gang, there you, there you have it, man. Um, we will be back Saturday. We're going to break down both the Friday game and the Indiana football game in the same episode on Saturday. And then we'll see if we do a short episode after the Alcorn State game. But hey, until then, Gang, you guys are truly the best. Love every single one of you. Thank you so much for watching, for listening. If you ever email at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com, really do appreciate you guys. Please have a great weekend. Love you all. Go Green.